Welcome to the Heights Sermon Series Podcast, where each week you'll hear a new message that'll help you with your life shaped by the Word. Well, good morning, everybody. I hope you are as excited as I am about not only the start of a new year, but what's really in front of us uh, tomorrow, this week ahead. If you believe at all and that there's any kind of power in prayer, that there's any kind of power in engaging with God in his word, then you have to be excited about what we're getting ready to do as a church, what we can experience as individuals and what we can experience uh, as an entire body of Christ. As we start this year, uh, tomorrow, we're kicking off 21 days of prayer. We've also begun, and if you've missed it and haven't begun, you can still begin uh, a Bible reading plan through the year. Now, they go together great, but they are two separate things, right? The, the Bible reading plan is for the whole year. The uh, 21 days of prayer is for 21 days. All right, just wanted to make sure we're all firing here on all cylinders. So uh, really exciting, and I've got uh, a couple of the people, not all of the people, but a couple of the people that really designed and shaped uh, what we've got in front of us, the opportunity that we have. And so, uh, David, why don't we start with you real quickly. What are, what are the tools, what are the opportunities, the ways I can take advantage of this 21 days of tools. prayer? Oh, wow. There's a few of them. Uh, first of all, you can go to the church app and uh, you can go to the prayer tab on the church app and our church, app. our church yeah. app, yes, not just any church, any church app, the Heights <laughs> church app. Yeah, <laughs> and so uh, you can get there to the prayer tab, and you will see uh, 20, 20, 24, 21 days of prayer, and you can go there to access uh, the prayer guide uh, as a PDF. You can also go to the church website, thb dot church forward slash twenty one days, and you can download the PFD there also. And uh, we do have a hard copy of it available uh, for you to pick up after service. Uh, we have limited numbers, so we ask that it's taken only by one uh, member in the family, one per family. Okay? Hey, can I interrupt? Yes. So what's inside that prayer journal? If, if they haven't done this last year or the yeah. year before, what, what, when I open that up, what am I going to find? So when you open it, you will find in there uh, fasting, fasting. Uh, um, guide, uh, just information on how to set up your fasting time, uh, information on, um, you know, preparation for 21 days, what you need, pen, paper, your Bible. And we are also coupling that with the uh, Bible reading plan. So there is uh, written by our pastors, um, uh, just a devotional that helps you through the 21 days of prayer. Okay, okay. And uh, we are also focusing on praying for our nation, our community, and also our church in the prayer guide. Sounds really cool. (laughs) Then we also have this year, starting this year, we are going to be gathering uh, Monday through Friday from 6.30 a.m. to uh, uh, 7.15 at the church in the sanctuary here. So if you can schedule yourself to be here, be a part of it. I, I encourage you to. Uh, you can come for the whole 45 minutes, 10 minutes, 15 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever works for your schedule. Uh, come and pray. Come and sit before the Lord. Come and just uh, reverence yourself before God, preparing for the 21 days of prayer. And that starts tomorrow. I think I'm 
I think I'm starting, bro. So I got to be here and open the church at 630. 620. 620. Thank you, David. (laughs) Appreciate that. So we can start at 630. (laughs) Start at 630. (laughs) Also, uh, a tool that I want to encourage you to grab a hold of is Fasting for Spiritual Breakthrough by Elmer Towns. This is a very wonderful book that will help you if you've never fasted, even if you fasted and really don't have direction. This book really gives you a great direction. It's available at the registration desk and it's $10. Okay. And then did you have another book there? Uh, this is the hard copy of the prayer guide. Oh, the prayer guide. Yes. Sure. Okay. Okay, good. And then the Bible reading plan. Uh, now, when, when I say what's the Bible reading plan about, I'm, that's kind of an obvious question, right? It's to read the Bible through the year. But t- tell us, kind of what's, what's the big goal? Why would I want to do this all, all together with my church? Yeah, so the Bible reading plan is laid out. There's two different ones, uh, but the, it's laid out. So if you're used to reading through the Bible, it's a great resource for you. If you never have before, never had consistency, it's set up to where to help you build that habit in, as well as that we as a church could all be going through it together. So in a life group, you can ask the question, hey, what's God teaching us as we walk through the word together? And everybody's kind of on the same page or uh, in a discipleship relationship or within your family or whatever it may be. Uh, there's a lot of benefit to everybody walking through Read together. The same thing, yeah. Um, and it is set up, it's five days a week. Instead of seven, and the reason being, if I don't have that habit developed in my life right now, what's the main reason I normally give up? Because I get behind. And so there's grace days that are built in there to where, well, I missed Thursday. I can pick back up on Friday, read on Saturday, and then I'm, I'm right back on track okay. with everybody else. Yeah. Every, every week gives me two grace days. Correct. <laughs> okay. Yep. Now, I- explain a little bit about how you've designed it. Like, okay, I'm reading through the Bible. I'm starting in Genesis 1, and right away I notice, hey, Genesis 5's not here. Okay. Or I'm starting in Matthew, but no, I'm not starting in Matthew. I'm starting in Luke. Right. Explain what's going on there when they look at that. Yeah, so we have two. We have a New Testament plan, uh, which is the whole New Testament, but it's not in uh, order front to back how we would maybe normally read it. The reason being, that way we, uh, the Gospels are spread out throughout the year, so we engage with the life and work of Christ throughout the year as opposed to in the first two, three months. Okay. We read all of that and then we go through. That's a good idea. Uh, and then uh, as well as finishing the year in the gospel, because this year, maybe it was just me. It was a little weird at Christmas time to be reading Revelation. Uh, <laughs> I felt weird to me anyway. I was like, this is not the Christmas first story. Coming, I'm used second to. coming. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, um, but so we begin the year in the year in the gospel, but also as you read through Acts, you kind of jump to the epistles kind of, chronologically where they may have taken place in the book of Acts. So it kind of helps us see, here's how these things all fit together as you're going through it. The other one we've been calling the whole Bible reading plan. It's really not the whole Bible reading plan. That's just easier to say than Old and New Testament uh, reading plan. Do I get to say I read the whole Bible? Close enough. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) No, so in order to keep it five days a week with, uh, you know, if you're doing the whole Bible, it's three chapters a day. In order to keep her that, we can't fit the whole Old Testament. So what we've done is taken the major themes throughout the Old Testament um, are in there. Um, you're going to read um, a historical book, a wisdom literature, and then the New Testament. Okay. And the cool thing is if two different people in your family, your life group, whatever it is, one's doing New Testament, one's doing the whole Bible, that you're in the same New Testament passage so you can still have conversations about what you're reading. Uh-huh. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Was that my idea? Sure. <laughs> 
That's a good design yeah. there. So uh, again, these are these are things they can get in hard copy yep. or they can get them uh, online or through the app, or you can get a hard copy out at the next step desk. That's awesome. That's yeah. awesome. Would you thank these guys for all the work that they've done? And uh, I'm coming back. There we go. Why don't we, uh, I, just because I think so highly of what we're about to do, let's, let's give it to the Lord first, right? Amen. Dedicate it to Him. Let's pray. Father, we come before you, and uh, I, I pray that every one of us in here, everyone watching online, is curious. Lord, maybe we believe greatly in the power of your word, the power of prayer, and I, I, I pray we're excited and, and ready to jump in and, and see your glory and power move and work in our lives and our church. Lord, maybe we're not so certain about the power of God's word. Maybe we've had different experiences with the Bible and power isn't the word that comes to our mind. Maybe we've had different experiences with prayer and same thing. It's not power that we've experienced. Lord, I I, I pray for those that maybe are going to attempt this, that, that, that have been confused by this in the past or unmotivated by it in the past. I pray, God, that uh, help the weakness of our faith. Let us see and, and, and let us respond. God, I pray that you are, are going to bless the reading of your word in our lives individually and as a church. I pray you're going to you're going to work powerfully in our lives in this 21 days of prayer. I, I, I pray the conversations throughout our church family are what we're praying about, how we're seeing you move and work, what we're hearing you say. God, I pray it's going to be a time of healing, a time of provision, a time of guidance. Lord, I pray it's going to be a time of repentance and humility and confession. Lord, I pray it's going to be a time where we Know your glory and know your presence like perhaps we've never known it before. And it will shape and it will direct how we move into 2024 and all of its pieces. Uh, the ones we know about and the, and the ones we don't. Uh, Lord, we dedicate this time. We dedicate ourselves to this time. We're going to take it serious. We're going to work hard at this, Lord. And we ask your blessing on that. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Are y'all excited? Y'all going to do this with me? All right. <laughs> that wasn't very encouraging, but uh, I know in your heart you said, yes, I'm going to do that. Hey, let me, uh, let me, I don't think I've said yet, happy new year. First Sunday of our new year, and I sure hope you've got a happy one out in front of you. I really do believe that God has a happy new year for you. The reason I believe that is because it's all throughout the Bible. You know, a word we see in Genesis, we see it in Revelation and just about every book in between, the word blessed, blessed, blessed. You know what that word means, right? Happy, happy, prosperous, well-being. These are the words that God wants to define and shape your life. And that excites me because I too want those words to define and shape my life. I like those words. Now, what concerns me a little bit is maybe what I perceive as being a path to that and what God perceives as being a path to that. The reason I say that, I think of the words of, of Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount, maybe the most well-known sermon ever preached in humanity, in history. And in the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 and 11, he says this, Blessed are those 
Happy, right? Happy, well-being, prosperous are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed, happy are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad for your reward is great in heaven. Now look, look at those sentences right there. I like, I like the first word, happy. I like the way it ends, rejoice and glad. And re- I like all this. It's the words in the middle that scare me a little bit. I, persecution, reviled. Evil against me? Lord, is there a plan B for finding happiness? I don't want any of those words. I don't even want to discover how I can be happy in those words. I I don't want anything to do with that. Why would Jesus say that? Why would he cast that as a vision, a, a hope, an encouragement to you and me that there can be happiness, there can be well-being in the midst of those words that were in the middle? Perhaps it's because he's speaking to the normal Christian life. What what do I mean by normal Christian life? You know, folks, the American Christian has enjoyed an unprecedented life of ease. Now, that's that's an awkward three words at the end, life of ease. I'm confident there's more than one person in here right now that would say... I'm not living a life of ease. Okay, I'm not talking, though, in that statement about the the difficulty or the challenges that you're working through or the frustrations that you're dealing with. I'm talking about what it means to be a Christian and the cost for being a Christian because we've paid little to no cost to be followers of Christ. That's not our, our norm. I don't know what percentage we are of... Christian histories, Christians. Let, let, let's say that, uh, and I'm all just completely making this up, okay? Let, let's say that 19th, 20th, and 21st century American Christians make up 10, 15% of, of all the Christians there's ever been, okay? In that other 85 to 90%, what has been the norm is a high cost for following Christ. And this isn't a a trick. You know, Jesus got us in and then changed the rules on us, tricked us, and and wait a minute, I didn't, no, he actually told us about this all up front. When I say up front, Jesus actually said, don't follow me. Did you know that? Luke chapter 14, don't follow me. Without counting the cost. Now to to explain what I'm talking about in our life of ease as being Christians. We don't. Did you count a cost when you came to Christ? Did you weigh what you were going to lose? Did you weigh how people were going to treat you and what that. I mean for the most part no we didn't. As a matter of fact we pastors. People sharing the gospel with their friends. We peddle Jesus. We make him a consumer object. Hey, if you come to Jesus, you get this and this and this and this. There's all kinds of benefits. Hey, good news. When you come to Jesus, there's profoundly great and profoundly many benefits. But we really do peddle them out to people. And then what do people do? I mean, we're consumers, right? I sit back and think, I wonder if I need that. 
I wonder if I need to invite all those benefits into my... You know, I think I do. I think I do. I think I'm going to receive all these... That's not the invitation of Christ. The invitation of Christ is come follow me. But not until you've counted the cost. Because there's going to be a cost. Now, the reason I'm, I'm sharing this, I believe that in America, it's going to become the norm to pay that price. You know, when I say that, I'm not suggesting that nobody in America this century, last century, this, I'm not saying nobody in America has ever paid a price for following Christ. People have. Many people have. But it was very situational. I'm, I'm not talking about a particular group or a particular situation. I'm talking about it being the norm of the Christian experience. I anticipate my grandkids having to weigh what it means to follow Christ and what it could cost them in a way that I, I never did. Never had. That's not been my norm. Now, why? Why, why do I think that's coming in America? Well, I could say because the Bible says so, right? I mean, we do know where this story goes. The world is going to turn against Christ followers. God's promised it. Uh, That's not a promise I'm looking for, God. No, God said, hey, this is where it's going. But when I refer to that idea or I refer to those passages, that doesn't necessarily mean in America today. That's just saying, generally speaking, this is where the story is going to go. So why do I think, no, 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 I think right now, today. Let me give you two current stories, two current illustrations that I believe are representative of hundreds of stories going on all around the United States right now. The first story, October 25th, 2023, uh, Mike Johnson was elected by Congress to be the Speaker of the House and almost instantly, and when I mean instantly, minutes later on social media, network news, uh, internet news, the headlines, right-wing extremist elected to be Speaker of the House. Now, we fight battles with words, and the people who get to define the words are winning the battle. And, and so we paint people, we paint ideas with different words. When we say he's an extremist, I mean, that's a word that goes with terrorist. That, that's a word that goes with out of balance. That's a word that goes with dangerous. It's meant to evoke fear in the average American. Hey, this guy is dangerous to you. He is dangerous to America. He's not balanced at all. He's an extremist. Now, when you get past the headlines and you get down into the article or the, the, the interview, what, you know, what they say, what they who are calling him an extremist, well, what is it that made him? I didn't realize he was organizing movements to bring down America. I, I, didn't, I didn't realize he was burning down buildings. I didn't realize the, the number of people that he's destroyed. Clearly, now in the article, you're going to explain that to me, right? Well, no, when we get down into the article or the interview, what we find out is he thinks that abortion is wrong. 
He thinks that marriage is between a man and a woman. This is what they're saying. I'm not accusing them of not liking them for these reasons. That's what they... Hey, this guy thinks abortion's wrong. He thinks marriage is just between a man and a woman. And he goes to church. He is a, a Christian, conservative, evangelical. And these are words meant to evoke fear. Hey, this is a, this is a dangerous person. Another story. This February, hasn't happened yet, this February, uh, a documentary is going to come out by Rob Reiner. Rob Reiner, last several decades, been mostly known in Hollywood as a, a producer and a, and a director. If you're old enough, you know him as Meathead. Uh, you, you know him from All in the Family. He was an actor as well. Rob Reiner has uh, produced, is, is bringing out a documentary uh, called uh, God and Country. And in the, the trailer, in his explanation, he says, this is about the dangers of Christian nationalism. Y'all hearing that phrase? I'm sure a lot. Christian nationalism. It's a tricky phrase. It's a tricky phrase. It, 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 that word can be used to describe a, a very small group of people that are probably developing militias and thinking about how they take over America and doing it to the glory of God. But it, you can come down here on another level and that word can describe people who sing patriotic songs at church on July 4th and say the, the Pledge of Allegiance. I mean, it's a, it's a pretty big spectrum, but a whole bunch of people are being thrown under that title, Christian Nationalist. Now, the, the trailer, because you know what? I, I, am I a Christian nationalist? I don't know if I'm a Christian. Are you? I don't know if you are. How do I know? Well, that's what the documentary is going to let us know, who's a, a Christian nationalist. And so in the trailer, it opens with scenes of January 6th. Okay, you, know, you see, I, I don't know where you are on January 6th and what you believe about that and the videos that have been shown and the videos that have not been shown. But the, the bottom line is there's certainly... The key videos we've all seen, I mean, these looks like almost crazy people. Some of them are even kind of dressed crazy, aren't they? Running through the Capitol looks like insurrection, looks like a riot, it looks like something we've never seen in America. Now, that's the opening scene. Now, me personally, I want to immediately say, time out, are these Christians? Why are we putting that group, why are you putting that image under the title Christian Nationalist? Did they meet at a church and plan this out? Do any of them say, I am a follower of Jesus Christ and I'm doing this to his glory and honor. And if you'll open with me, I'll show you the Bible passage where it tells me to do. No, I didn't hear any of them say anything like that. I didn't hear any of them even proclaim to be a Christian. So why are we taking that image and, and marrying it to the idea of Christian nationalism? You see, if you get to define the words, you win the war. And they get to define the words. And so that's, that's, now that's our image of a Christian nationalist. You're somebody that wants to destroy the country, ruin the country. So when you get past the scary scenes, oh, that's what a Christian national is. That's what they look like. When you get past the scary scenes, actually when you get into the documentary, guess what a Christian national is? It's somebody that was involved in overturning Roe v. Wade. Well, now, I probably would not have been running through the Capitol on... I don't know why I just said probably. I would not have been one of those running through the Capitol on January 6th. I, I, I wouldn't have done that. 
But I was somebody that was a part in my prayers, in my giving, in my activities for 40 years trying to see Roe v. Wade overturned. So wait a minute, because I did that, I'm now the same as that person running through the the Capitol. You know, they'll say that uh, Christian nationalists are the ones that are disturbing all of our school board meetings and creating hate because they don't believe that a biological boy should be in a restroom or a locker room or on a girls' sports team. Okay, now where, what you agree or disagree with that, does that, does that make me a terrorist? Does that make me an, an, an extremist? And again, as you get down into the documentary, the Christian nationalist is a conservative evangelical, a, a, a churchgoer. Now, you know what? I get, I respect that in America, there are people that hold views different than mine, even contradictory than mine. But does that make mine extreme? Does that make me like a terrorist? Now, maybe you're saying, well, pastor, okay, you're saying extreme and terrorism, but they didn't actually say terrorist. They haven't actually called us a terrorist, have they? Quote from God and country, Christian nationalism is more dangerous to America than Al-Qaeda. You, if you don't believe boys belong in girls' locker rooms, if you thought Roe v. Wade was bad law, then you are more dangerous than the people who attacked us on 9-11. Okay, that, that, that should make us start to wonder, wait, what, what's happening here? Because I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to take down the country. I'm not running through the Capitol on January 6th. But yeah, I am a part of these other things. I do believe these other things. You know what they don't want? They don't want us voting our values. Isn't that what everybody does when they go to vote? You, you, you vote for the candidate you vote for because you think they hold similar values to you and they will bring about those values in their laws and governance, right? How does that make us different that, that we vote for candidates, we vote for ideas that we believe support our values? We're just doing what every American is doing, but now I'm more dangerous to America than Al-Qaeda. Now, somebody could listen to this and say, well, Rob Reiner's a He's weird. Nobody's going to watch his documentary anyway. You know, I don't know if 100 people are going to watch that documentary or 100 million people. That, that's not actually my point, how successful this documentary is or is not. What is my concern is it's becoming very normal to put words like extremism and terrorism with Christians and Christianity. That's becoming the normal. It's said every day in a multitude of of ways, media-wise. And we're just getting used to hearing it. Now, somebody could respond to me and say, oh, you're, you're fear-mongering. You're, you're giving in. You're probably reading some of those conspiracy theories, aren't you? And then somebody could prove that I'm wrong. As a matter of fact, let me go ahead and contradict myself. Let me, let me beat you to the punch if you think I'm wrong. I'll point out a good reason that what I'm saying today is is wrong. And it's one of the illustrations I just used. 
Okay, I'm saying, hey, we need to be concerned. They're pushing Christians to the sidelines. They're trying to get us out of society. Folks, the Speaker of the House of the United States of America is a Christian evangelical. The person that is fourth in line to the presidency goes to church in a Southern Baptist church as a Christian evangelical. So while you're up there, Pastor, oh, the world's against us, you know, just doing your fear-mongering and, oh, we got to fight back and you're just, you're just doing all that clearly America's not pushed you to the sidelines. And I would say, shoot, that's right. He got us. We do have the speaker of the house right now. Again, that's not my point. There's an old play out of an old playbook that has worked against people groups in every country throughout history. Here's my question and my concern. How many times, what's the tipping point? How many times do they make us out to be the enemy before society starts to believe we're the enemy? That's that's my concern. And it's becoming very normal, whether it's just chatter. A lot of people are going, I don't believe that. It's still happening every single day. Christians, Christianity being likened to enemies, extremism, and terrorism. So what do we do? What what, what do we do? What's the playbook for? I mean, do we build a militia? Stockpile weapons? Stockpile food? Take back the government? I mean, there are people... Hey, listen, there are people, even under the name of Jesus, that would suggest that's exactly what we do. But I guess my question today is, what did Jesus tell us to do? Because I don't see where Jesus told me to take over a nation. I don't see where Jesus told me to take over a, a, a government. Do, do I seek to be light? Do I seek to influence whatever level I can? Oh, absolutely. But fight Take over? No, those aren't, those aren't our marching orders. You know, there's clear marching orders throughout the New Testament, clear marching orders in Revelation of what you and I are to be like in a world that hates us. I mean, I, y- y'all know some of the past. Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. That comes out of the Sermon on the Mount also. But how about Revelation 12, 11? You, you know, when you're in Revelation 12, you're right in the center of the worst persecution that followers of Christ will ever experience. That will be a time in Houston, uh, in, in human history, where most believers, can you imagine this, will be executed. Most, not a lot, most will be executed. And it's in that moment that we read a Revelation 12, verse 11. And they, who's they? Followers of Christ. Have conquered him. Who? Satan. The energy, the power, the motivation behind the world and their hatred for Christ and his followers. They conquered him. Well, that's what we want to do, right? I want to conquer. I want to win. How do I do that? By the blood of the Lamb. By the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. For they love not their lives because it will cost them their lives. If all you're holding on to is the blood of the lamb, it may cost you in this world. By the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony, for they love not their lives even unto death. I want to suggest that these two phrases, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the... those, Those are talking about three things. 
What's the blood of the lamb? It's the gospel, isn't it? When I reach out and lay hold of the blood of the lamb, I am laying hold of God's love for me, God's forgiveness of my sins. I'm laying hold of the eternal life that he has for me. I am receiving the gospel by the word of their testimony. I'm living the gospel and I'm sharing the gospel. What do I do in America when they hate me? I hold on to the gospel. I live the God. What does it mean to live the gospel? I thought that was just, we say a prayer, we're saved, it's done. What, what, what does it mean to live the God? Well, what is the gospel? It's love, it's forgiveness, it's grace, right? Okay, then I live love, forgiveness, and grace with everybody around me. The ones that like me and the ones that don't. The ones that think I'm the best thing since sliced bread and the ones that think I'm worse than Al-Qaeda. I live love, I live forgiveness, I live grace. And if my living that affords the opportunity, I share it. Share the gospel of Jesus Christ. How do we go into a world of persecution with the gospel? Uh, Have you looked out there, Pastor? I mean, that's... It's dangerous out there. Yeah, yeah, right up to death. Right up to death. You know, it's kind of the good news and the bad news. If we're faithful, there's a great reward. (laughs) I wouldn't say it's bad news, but I think it's something we need to be aware of. Jesus, I think, expects us to be faithful all the way. He expects us to hold on to that gospel, to to live that gospel, to share that gospel all the way, even unto death. Unto death, that's not so ominous, right? What what if we just said, man, faithful all the way? No matter the cost, no matter the environment, faithful all the way. You know what what I'm sharing this today? You know what I want our church to be? I want it to be a place that helps me, helps you, helps us be faithful all the way. I want, I want this to be a place where I am encouraged, where I'm helped, where I'm equipped to be faithful all the way. Faithful all the way in my marriage. Faithful all the way in that situation at work. Faithful all the way in that fear. Faithful all the way in my politics. Faithful. What, well, what does faithful mean? The gospel. I've received it. I've lived it. I'm sharing it. Faithful with the gospel. It's the only message, it's the only weapon, it's the only activity God has sent us into that world to do. Now, what, what is today? Is today the, the kickoff of a new series? No, it's not. You come back next week, we're starting a series on marriage. Six-week series on marriage. What is today? Today is um, I, a theme, a, a, a theme. A theme interpretation, a theme for 2024. And so I'm going to do, starting next week, marriage, I'm going to do six or seven series that I've got planned out for 2024. And each of them will stand on their own. Guess what the marriage series is about? It's about marriage. 
And, and we're going to look at the issues and the questions and the comments and, and all of that, just like you would kind of expect. It is probably going to sound different from many marriage series you've heard and maybe that you've heard me do, and that there is going to be an element in which I take every one of these series and I point it back to the theme. Because marriage plays a role, and this doesn't mean if you're married. Singled, widowed, divorced, don't know if I ever will be, don't want to be. Wherever you fall, marriage plays a role, and, and we'll unwrap that, in, in us being faithful all the way to the end. And I'll do that with each of the series. We'll, we'll tie them back to this thing. And he's like, gosh, this sounds awful. What a hard year. So we're going to talk about dying Every Sunday is going to be about dying for Jesus? No. Man, we're going to take some series and we're going to speak about questions and issues and things going on in your life. And we're going to tie everything back to being faithful all the way. Can we go back to Christmas? It wasn't that long ago. Anybody still got their tree and lights up? Put your hands down. Good gracious, you should be embarrassed. What did we learn at Christmas? We met a Jesus. We met a Jesus who is our promised Messiah, who is the Son of God, very God Himself, the Savior of our sins, our King. When you have a King, we talked about this a little bit on Christmas Eve, didn't we? So we don't have a king. We're not used to living under a king. We're not used to living in a kingdom. When you're in a kingdom and you have a king, you're ready to die for the king. You're ready to die for the king's causes. He's the king. Are, did you come to worship today a Jesus that's worthy of that? Are you seeking today a Jesus that is worthy of that kind of life and that kind of devotion? Don't we all want to say yes? I, I believe that of you. I believe that of me. I want to say yes, but would I? Because I've never lived in a place where I really counted anything about Christ but the benefits. What's he do for me? I could be completely wrong. I hope I am. I hope nothing like that's coming. I mean, we know in the end it's coming, right? And so let's say I have given in a little too much to theories and fear-mongering. Hey, here's good news. I think everything we're going to look at this year is going to make you as strong and as faithful in Christ as you've ever been. It, It could make you so strong and faithful that you'll even discover happiness in persecution. Let's pray. Jesus, I worship you. I thank you. I praise you that you have what I need in any and every nation, at any and every time period, under any and every kind of government. Jesus, you have what I need and whatever is going on in my life. And oh, Lord, before your people, I do want to declare you are worthy. You are worthy of my faithfulness the whole way. My faithfulness in every area of life. You're worthy of faithfulness no matter the cost. Oh God, I want to know that I could really live it.
And Lord, I thank you that you've given us the church for this very reason. Not just in America, not just in 2024. You gave us each other is because it's together that we grow. Together we become strong. Together we are faithful. Together, even unto death. Lord, we commit to you this year ahead. I've only mentioned one series, marriage, but all of the series. God, would you use the preaching, the teaching of your word to build in our lives a people that will glory in you, a people that will find joy and happiness in you no matter what's going on. And God, I pray that our strength, our commitment is so great that it draws a watching world to the blood of the Lamb. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.